Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founders, business leaders, and even enterprises that are changing the game. We call them the disruptors. You might see them as your mentors or maybe even your colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover, so we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs that are really making a difference and making the world a better place. Hi guys, welcome to Parlay Me Power Players podcast. I have a very special guest here with us today. I have Omar Reban. Hello. Hello, January. How are you? It's good to be here. It's great to have you on. Now, for our listeners, I might just do a little uh, intro to um, what I know about you and the whole idea of this is so you can tell us more, right? So um, today we're joined with Omar Reban, who's an angel investor, a connector, speaker and vice president of public relations and business development at hunger station hunger station is a leading food tech company in the middle east that provides logistic solutions in the food and beverage sector hunger station was founded in 2012 in demand and was one of the first online food ordering portals in the region today it's available in more than 30 cities across saudi arabia Omar leads business growth projects and expansion initiatives, as well as public and media engagements, hence why we're speaking today. <laughs> Recently, Omar served as Managing Director of Courage, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is um, within the mother company of um, Hunger Station, which is called Delivery Hero. Uh, Delivery Hero is a German headquartered company and who owns many food delivery apps all over the world, from Foodora to Hunger Station. Um, Omar, you previously worked with private and government entities too with, at both the local and international level, um, such as Heinz and Sagia, which is the uh, Saudi General Investment Authority, and that's how we met. And over the past few years, um, you know, restaurants around the world have really pivoted into the delivery model, and especially during this pandemic. You know, we've seen everything from curbside pickup and take on. So Omar will be our speak to further, you know, how this has impacted his business. Um, you know, things like according to the website Yelp, food delivery orders have doubled since the outbreak began, with some businesses relying almost entirely on delivery. This has brought about both opportunities and challenges between restaurant owners and delivery apps. So to explore this, we wanted to really interview a key leader in this sector and this is why we have Omar. <laughs> so welcome again, Omar. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. And uh, it's definitely been an interesting uh, period of time for uh, uh, the world in general, across sectors, and particularly yes, in the tech it's sector, it's in whole the uh, world, food and beverage and uh, products reimagine uh, it as well. uh, so, sector in Omar, particular. I just want to kind of go back um, and uh, talk about a little bit about you and how you got into this whole world of food apps and tech and investing. Um, and we won't spend too much time on it, but just to give our listeners an idea of, uh, you know, your history and how you got to where you are today. So um, I did a bit of stalking, if you don't mind, <laughs> on, uh, on LinkedIn 
and whatnot. Um, but you were once a mechanical engineer, um, I believe, in the renewable energy, energy sector in LA of all places. And then you landed in the Middle East, and today you're VP, um, you know, PR and government affairs. Tell us a little bit about how this career journey evolved. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, when I actually uh, went to college yeah. uh, back, uh, you know, a few years back, I'm not that old, so I'll, I'll hold on to that idea. I'm still young. I, 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 I keep telling myself that. I did actually focus on on engineering in general because I did I did believe, and I still do, that uh, having an engineering background would actually shape uh, my uh, analytical behavior a little bit better, even if it's not what I would focus on moving forward. And it's also the fact that in mechanical engineering in particular, you know, bringing or, or starting things from scratch and seeing them grow and, and shape and then to be used and, and, uh, and the constant development related to it has always been fascinating to me. So that's how the whole, uh, you know, passion about getting things started, getting them developed and testing them and continuous improvement uh, angle uh, drove me towards the engineering. Moving forward from that, it's just uh, opportunities that present itself. Uh, it's uh, at the end of the day, uh, the person's personality, it's what uh, directs or governs their career path. I found myself, as you said, going from renewable energy and from the food manufacturing uh, towards a uh, looking into opportunities in the investment uh, domain on a government level with, uh, with the SAGIA. Uh, SAGIA right now is actually a ministry. It's a ministry of investment right now that recently happened. And that always intrigued me because I'm looking at the equation from the other end, which is finding an opportunity and then fitting it with an existing um, uh, investor or, or, or whether that investor is an individual or it's a big entity. And that was my intro towards the investment world where I met a lot of brilliant people in a short period of time. And I hold a lot of uh, gratitude to, to uh, some people that I still in contact with today where it was a very uh, aggressive but, but lovely kind of educational experience for me. And then uh, for, for uh, and that you know, got, led me towards the investment uh, domain. I started experimenting with uh, a couple of uh, the investments uh, with uh, a couple of my colleagues uh, uh, here in, actually in the region, in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia in particular. Um, and I, my first investment was actually you know, uh, in the UK due to my uh, work uh, with the SAGIA in the UK as the, you know, the head of the SAGIA office in, in, in the UK. Um, I was a very sector uh, agnostic, and I still am when it comes to investment. Uh, and uh, from that world, people do recognize people who could uh, get things going and move forward. And I do believe that's the type of personality that I have. Uh, and uh, I got to, uh, you know the the chance to work with uh, Carriage, you know the company. Um, owned by Delivery Hero uh, about a year and a half ago as the managing director in Saudi. And it was, it was in, a, in a new sector for me uh, in terms of uh, the tech side. However, I was uh, the game of, uh, and I like to call it a game, the game of startups or the game of starting something up isn't, isn't that new because the very first uh, you know, 
company that I worked with, and not the first, but one of the few first is actually a startup in the renewable energy, and uh, uh, that was uh, acquired fully by uh, by another, actually by a Chinese company that was uh, roughly eight years ago. And going to that path of startups has also always been uh, a passion of mine. I've started a couple of things in the past few years that uh, were not successful, but I wear that as a badge of honor because it also shapes, yeah, it also shapes how you would tackle life in general also uh, gives you a lot of experience and education moving forward. Um, and after, after carriage, uh, I, I came to, to, uh, to hunger station. It's also, as you said, it's a small kind of, uh, uh, it's not that small, but I would say it's a tight network with the delivery hero, uh, group, uh, hunger station delivery hero as uh, one of the major investors, there are right. other partners in it as well. And that also gave me access to the group strength in this sector, the experience of uh, pushing a, an, an already amazing company towards uh, new heights uh, with other uh, great uh, team and management uh, of this company. And it is, Hunger Stations actually is the leading you know, company of, in food delivery and other products in the region. Uh, in the past, uh, say, few uh, weeks during, uh, actually a couple of months, it's been now during the COVID-19 uh, uh, period or a crisis, we, we have not only held our ground, but actually achieved things that we, you know, would be thought very impossible to achieve. Uh, you did mention the challenges and you did mention the opportunities. Yes. And uh, for a company that is well established, for a company that is, uh, uh, that is technically uh, uh, capable, and has high efficiency, that is not always uh, a big issue. It's uh, all you need to do. Uh, it's the old, as the old saying goes, there is nothing to it but to do it. And all honesty, you got to have the right tools. And we have had, and we still do have the right tools when it comes to human uh, capital, uh, when it comes to technology, when it comes to also supporting network. Um, so it's uh, this is basically, in, in, in a short, in brief, how, how I got myself into this on, on the investment side, if that's more of uh, the interest to, to you, I can speak to that a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, since I started, I've been, yeah, well, I've been involved in, in personal, uh, as I said, angel investment on my own. A couple of, yeah. Is it called Saudi Angels? Is that your new? That is, that is yeah, that is something actually, this is, uh, hasn't been fully announced and we will, uh, but you, you know, parlay me, we should uh, have it first. It's been in the works for a few, a few months uh, now. It will be uh, announced uh, very soon. Uh, it has a, uh, a very, uh, I would say, talented group of individuals. And I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about the others. Um, and I'm, I'm very lucky to be part of that as a founding member with other all of the founding members when it gets uh, launched. And it actually has uh, industry leaders from across sectors, from uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, UAE and uh, maybe five or six different nationalities. Some of them are European nationalities. Amazing. So is it, are you... Um specializing like are you interested in like prop tech fintech I, I was told that you're looking at space even are these kind of the verticals you guys are looking at for saudi angels for the saudi angels it's uh it's more of uh you know the, the overall direction is tech for sure 
however, when it comes to the, the sectors, uh, it's still something that is being uh, worked on. However, me personally, as you mentioned, I'm fascinated, I'm sector agnostic, and I'm fascinated about anything that has a, not only a potential, but that would that sees into the future a little bit. Uh, me personally, I know I've invested in fintech, I've invested in uh, uh, space uh, technology or space tech, and I've invested in property tech. So for me, it, it doesn't matter what the sector is, if it's an, an actually a very good proposition. And uh, the big seller there is the team and the idea. If there is a strong team with a great idea, I'm, you know, I'm most of the time interested. Uh, and you got to look at also the, 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 the numbers part of things. I mean, most of my investments are in the yeah. pre-seed and seed, which is before they start actually making a lot of money or no money at all. And uh, it's still, it's still, uh, it still has a proposition and a value. Yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, speaking of um, verticals that you are interested in, and it's good to know you guys, are, you're agnostic in your approach. Um, I saw that you had a startup in the motorbike mar- marketplace Tell me, uh, was that a passion project? Do you love bikes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was. It still is. I'm a, I'm a biker. Uh, I, I started a, a, a marketplace uh, app with a, a colleague of mine. We partnered up and did it. And uh, I mean, we, we had to shut it down basically. And uh, it's, it was a learning curve. Yeah. It was a marketplace where people can go and buy and sell between each other, basically anything related to motorcycles, bicycles, and scooters. Um, it was a it was a great, uh, I believe, uh, uh, you know, idea and venture to to uh, tap into. Uh, however, uh, I think what got to us is what has gotten to a lot of companies before us, which is the timing. I, mean, I believe the timing was was perfect. Uh, I think. Even looking at it right now, it's still the timing uh, in the country is not that yet because I'm thinking we started in Saudi Arabia. If that was to be done back uh, when I was in Los Angeles, for example, uh, that would have been a completely different story because uh, there's a big percentage of bikers, big communities, uh, large numbers. Here, here the numbers make sense when you do them on paper, but then when you see the reaction of the society towards it, uh, it's not too enthusiastic yet. Uh, and that will change in the future because people will start thinking uh, twice about buying a truck and filling up a tank of, uh, of gas, uh, you know, that is, uh, you know, for example, $100 worth or something. And then people will start thinking about it from an economical point of view, then it would have been the right timing. Uh, and I think the idea, even though it stopped, I don't think it's dead yet and anybody could pick it up uh, could be me, it could be someone else who could uh, uh, beat me to the punch. Absolutely. Look, it is so much about timing with startups and you know, being in the right place at the right time with the right offering. Um, I want to now, well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think it's really fascinating what you got, what you are doing in the investment space. And I'd love to hear more about Saudi Angels and when the time's right, we'd love to parlay it for you. Um, I, want, I want to come forward now to kind of where you are now at Hunger Station. Um, you know, to my knowledge, it's one of the biggest, you know, online food ordering platforms in Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, connecting thousands of restaurants with their customers and ultimately supporting restaurants to increase their sales, right? I think on LinkedIn alone, you guys have like 700 employees and that's just on LinkedIn and that's probably not including riders and whatnot. Um, uh, you know, without going into too much detail, there's a bit of a reshuffle last year, um, you know, with uh, senior management and new leadership came in. W- were you part of that new leadership team? 
Uh, I was. I came in a little bit after them, the new leadership, uh, and uh, you know this uh, this whole kind of uh, you know uh, let's say restructuring was uh, was uh, something that was done by actually the partners themselves. Uh, the part of the old management are still some of the partners in the company, so it's not a, as what a lot of people would think. Uh, it does have a positive impact uh, at the end of the day. Uh, the previous management did a wonderful job, amazing job. They're actually part of the founding team of Hunger Center. They founded it. They they built a great product. They uh, they grew in the market uh, absolutely. You know, in a, in a in a very uh, uh, I would say at the beginning in an organic way, and then they went with a very smart and aggressive marketing uh, strategy for years. Uh, and then comes the new management where the focus was on continuing that growth, however, also on uh, coming out towards the uh, profitability end of things, which is the dream or the end goal of uh, a lot of startups. Um, you know, and so after eight years in the market uh, plus, uh, the current management has successfully led the company towards that. Um, and it's uh, honestly not only a business development aspect, it's a change of business development, change on, on the strategy of the company, and also the fact that uh, the, the team simply growing, you know, the more people, the more capable people you have, the more, uh, uh, in theory, the more potential and let's say positive output you would, you would have. And also, you know, control on other aspects that are not pure, uh, purely uh, business uh, let's say related, uh, it's or doesn't have a pure business uh, or direct business impact. Also plays a game. For example, in the past, say nine months, we've had a very uh, studied approach when it comes to uh, PR efforts because we wanted to uh, let the people know that uh, Hunger Station is not just a couple of uh, you know computers and machines and no there are there are people behind the machines and there is uh, and they actually work 24 seven to to serve you and help you which is uh, yeah absolutely something we take full pride of uh, and showing people that Hunger Station is just also not another startup I mean after eight years it's a maturing startup it's becoming close to a full maturity uh, you know slowly uh, you know day after day. And uh, uh, those factors actually play a big role into overall uh, overall business uh, growth because people get to know the team, they get to know the plans, they get to know the capabilities. Uh, and uh, nothing that I like more than hearing when uh, a new piece of information goes out in public and people just reply, "Oh, I didn't know that." You know, when we announce when we announce, for example, that in four days of full curfew. In Saudi, we had a couple, you know, four days of full curfew, for example. In those days of full curfew, we, we've delivered 730,000 orders. And with, with all of the restrictions, uh, uh, you know, on, on the people cannot, like, you know, go out and this and that. And also some restrictions on uh, regulatory restrictions on uh, the time allowed for restaurants to operate. Even in those worst circumstances, we have achieved amazing amazing numbers in 2019 alone just to give you a perspective uh hunger station delivered 50 million orders 500 million orders this is so the scale when people hear that it, it actually excites me to see that 
guys, this is not uh, just uh, another uh, company in the block. No, this is this is the company, and it has been. And it's uh, it, it gives me so much pride to be part of the team. It gives me pride of how it was all established, and also you know until this day, it gives me pride that it's in the region and uh, our partnerships also with uh, with all of the partners and other uh, you know groups and. It's just it's just a, it's just a fun fun uh, fun job to be honest. It's very heavy uh, as every leadership role and and tech company, but there is a sweetness to that too. Oh, fantastic! I can hear in your voice your passion for it. So that's so important. That's key. I, I don't get much sleep, but you know what? Uh, that's it's worth it. <laughs> passion doesn't mean sleep. That's for sure. It doesn't equate the same thing. Tell me, um, Amar, I'd love to get a feel and also for our listeners, kind of, you know, uh, best, obviously, because you're there. Um, you know, we have a yeah. feel for obviously the okay. food app business here in Europe and North America. But can you tell us a little bit about the, the, the landscape of the, um, the marketplace, if you will, in the Middle East, I guess, prior to COVID, if we say the pre-COVID and now we're in COVID. Um, but so how was the marketplace before COVID and how is it now? Yes, that's a really good question. And I, I've been asked this question uh, multiple times in the past uh, few months. Uh, different, no, no, and it's actually, it's, it's a really good question. It's, it's the question to be, to be asked. And uh, so let's yeah. take a step back to before uh, COVID-19 period. Uh, across, let's say, the region, and I'll focus a little bit on, on Saudi because of my experience in Saudi and Bahrain, and, uh, for example, and, and the Gulf area. Uh, things were absolutely amazing when it comes to a consumption, numbers of consumption of uh, and orders when it comes to the food uh, uh, and restaurants, and uh, mainly that uh, the other consumer products, uh, uh, you know, uh, technology or, uh, or electronics and so on, has always it's been very good and generous to the companies. When you look at the other uh, sectors or other verticals, if I may say, you know, the pharmacies or the supermarkets or the which are the actual necessities, before people did not rely much on on the uh, online delivery on it because you know people go out and they like to shop on their own there is an experience aspect to it right where you can uh, go and look at five different types of peanut butter and pick your favorite but you pick the chunky one you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so so that was before then comes COVID-19 and most of the world started, uh, uh, I'm not sure if most, but let's say a good percentage of countries uh, imposed uh, curfew hours to protect the people from uh, uh, contracting uh, you know, COVID-19. And Saudi Arabia was one of them. Uh, they started with a uh, partial curfew and then it was, uh, became a little bit more extreme for a, a while, a long while. Then it went for a few days of full curfew, and now we're back to a partial curfew. During these days, uh, the people right away from the beginning of that curfew, they, uh, the behavior of the customer changed where they started thinking, man, I need to get my necessities. <laughs> I need to get my groceries. I need to get my medicine. I need to get uh, you know, my baby supplies. So that shift... Uh, uh, actually boosted those type of verticals when it comes to e-commerce. And people also shied away a little bit from restaurants and food because they there is also that kind of uh, worry at the back of their heads uh, from restaurants and everything. And that was only at the beginning um, 
first, you know, let's say first or second weeks of uh, sure. that period. After that, uh, and with all of the, uh, let's say, uh, precautionary, uh, you know, conditions that we applied and and uh, and procedures we applied as hunger station other companies uh, in the, in the region with with the instruction and the support of uh, government entities actually brought that trust back to the consumer where we uh, you know uh, enforced uh, delivery contactless uh, delivery we enforced you know the uh, uh, mask and gloves and sanitize you know sanitization uh, procedures and uh, within and every single order that comes out we also afford with our partners the restaurants and so on and other other stores to to uh, you know full sealing and full uh, uh, repackaging and very sanitary packaging and so on. This brought a little bit of the trust back, and it came back to uh, a really really good numbers of sales. Given that the days the, or the restaurants were not allowed to function the whole day according to the regulation, so we that came back. So the interesting part is, and what I would like to call that that started emerging in the uh, let's say a uh, few weeks into the curfew is the new necessities. And that's a term that I would like to uh, basically say if anybody uses it, it's uh, I don't have a trademark, but I, I'm going to hold on to it. But uh, and, and, uh, something called the new necessities, uh, you know, emerged. The new necessities is the uh, uh, the Zencaster subscription or the Zoom, you know, subscription or, you know, all of these or the uh, also workout equipment. These became new necessities to people, uh, uh, you know, staying at home. Uh, and it became as important as any anything else. All of these things that regularly people did not need. And this has emerged very, very well. And uh, people are uh, started, uh, their behavior started actually changing towards them when they on normal days would not buy them online, they started buying them. What has been, what has dropped dramatically beginning of the period was anything of uh, luxury, uh, so let's say status, right? Uh, fancy watches, uh, those uh, you know, jewelry of certain. This people just didn't buy those. They they started thinking, hey, what do I need? So I can not only live while I'm on curfew, but also what to to do uh, the necessities that my job requires, or my kid requires, or my health requires. And uh, so it's the previous necessities and the new necessities, and then the luxury uh, items have have dropped. However, right now, these days, and for the past month and a half, maybe, I think the markets overall have felt that uh, they felt a little bit more safe and things are turning back a little bit to normal where the behavior of the customer is just buying everything. Something interesting is the uh, online payment, um, let's say, uh, percentage have increased dramatically because of... Uh, regulations that prevented some sectors from using cash at the same time uh, because people don't want to deal with cash uh, due to basically uh, negative uh, uh, implications of using cash and handling cash with other other people so that's that's basically yeah what uh, my thoughts on the past yeah. few months since it's been, been a, a ride i can imagine well i I want to talk, yeah, a little bit more about that and I guess how the pandemic has kind of shaped your role um, there, I guess, in taking new initiatives or I guess what you might call purpose-driven initiatives. Um, I saw your recent partnership 
uh, with a food bank, um, if I'm correct, or something, donating 554k worth in meals in uh, Saudi Arabia during Ramadan. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about mm-hmm. this initiative and um, how it rolled out? Absolutely, absolutely. So, in the we started, we kicked this uh, initiative off at the beginning of Ramadan, where you know people normally basically fast the whole daytime. And with the keeping in mind two uh, uh, two things: number one, that curfew is imposed; number two, there are people on need generally. So it's gonna make it even harder for people on on need to get food, even if they can't even go out. And uh, so we started this initiative with the, with the Saudi Food Bank, and uh, the purpose or the the idea behind it is to allow good people who want to contribute from home to help other people that are also at home. And so we provided the food baskets and partnered it up with a couple of restaurants where a customer could go in and buy a meal and uh, you know the, they will be charged and the restaurant will take care of the delivery to that food bank uh, uh, approved list of need, people in need. And uh, this is, the food bank is, is, a, is a government backed uh, uh, entity here in Saudi. And, uh, and uh, we successfully, as you mentioned, and that's what only what we announced, by the way, we successfully, thankfully, and thankfully to all of our partners, all of the great customers and people, uh, we've announced about 540,000 meals, but we have actually surpassed uh, roughly 800,000 meals in a period of uh, yeah, roughly four weeks. Oh, wow. And it's absolutely, it just brings us joy. It overwhelms us. Reaction from the people is very overwhelming. It's absolutely overwhelming. We love it. We wanted to do it for Ramadan and, uh, and stop it. We did stop it right now for a little bit. However, given the overwhelming impact, we're looking into keeping that initiative running throughout the year, and we will bring it back very soon with a model that fits the whole year and not only Ramadan. Fantastic. Well, I big kudos to you guys. I think it's fantastic work. And uh, when I saw that you guys were doing that, I thought, wow, well, that, that's really something. So, I, you know, every market's different, right, Oman? You know this, you know, international, you've worked in London, you've worked in LA, you're in the Middle East, you're in Riyadh, uh, to be exact. Um, you know, my understanding of the Middle East is that, like, I read somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, at least 60% of the population is under 30, um, which kind of puts you guys in a different kind of category in regards to like you're less susceptible perhaps to COVID-19, which is an interesting thing because of the age demographic. I don't know how it is exactly in Riyadh, but that's kind of the Middle East in general. Um, I wanted to kind of touch upon like the challenges that has been brought about. Now, this may or may not apply because you're maybe a younger demographic and they're more savvy and susceptible to using these apps and whatnot. Um, but what challenges the crisis has brought in regards to, like, rest- restaurant supplies, as you mentioned, being ordered to shut, like curfews, um, that meaning the customer has more time at home to cook, um, the customers appear to maybe, or maybe you would know, lose their appetite for takeaway. Where might you see an increase in restaurants? Like, have you seen an increase in restaurants signing up but a decrease in customers because this is something that's happened in Europe um, the data's varied um, can you speak to how it is in the Middle East 
Yes, uh, we have to be a little bit market specific here. Uh, so, in, in if we think, if we talk about the UAE, for example, uh, if you think about Dubai versus Abu Dhabi, completely different uh, behaviors, and it's interesting to see that. And it's because of the city regulation. Each city would run th- different regulations that affect uh, those uh, elements, whether it's uh, restaurants sign up or it's people eating out. Um, and in Saudi, for example, recently, you know, about you know uh, uh, five five days ago, actually, the government announced that the curfew has been relaxed a little bit. They relaxed the uh, the curfew. Right now, people could go out from six a.m. until eight p.m. And they also allowed people to eat or dine in restaurants. That's a big shift. Even with that, yeah. even with that, uh, that didn't affect our. Um, let's say, uh, our sales much because people business of online uh, food delivery, for example, or product delivery, it's all about loyalty and customers loving you, right? Regardless of what they do in the day, they'll always be your customers if, if they get their uh, value or their money worth with you. Uh, what is interesting is when the COVID-19 first uh, period started, yes, we did see a big spike in restaurants signing up to uh, online platforms, uh, not only us, but across the board. Uh, and we did see a drop in, in, uh, in uh, customer uh, usage, let's say, at the beginning days, uh, because people, as I mentioned, uh, they didn't know what they were dealing with. So they basically cared about the necessary uh, verticals. And, uh, and that is something actually that gave us, uh, and we did it right away. In a matter of days, yeah. we added multiple verticals in literally a matter of days. Uh, and, the, you know, back in uh, late, uh, late March, we added pharmacies, supermarkets. So we even added uh, toys and, and gas services. You know what I mean? So we went for, hey, whatever you need, we got you. And, and that put us... Uh, you know, on a very, very good position. It was it was part of our strategy to begin with. That was our strategy. But when and it was supposed to be done in a few months time, uh, uh, maybe, you know, around summertime. But when COVID-19 came in, all of the strategies did not change, just the timeline changed. And we expedited doing that uh, in a matter of actually days, if not a week, uh, to, to provide, uh, you know, groceries, pharmacies, uh, and uh, all of the necessities across uh, Saudi. And it's actually, we serve Saudi in more than 80 cities, eight, eight zero. Yes, and, uh, and, and, and the, for example, you know, at the end of Ramadan, there is that uh, Eid, it's, it's called Eid, as I mentioned, uh, uh, in the eight days, it was full curfew. And we have served roughly across all of these cities uh, throughout 11,000 branches of restaurants and pharmacies and, 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 and whatever. And that's when we delivered the seven hundred and thirty thousand orders. So it's it's been it's been really good for us. But I have to say, the reason it was it's not because uh, we were just uh, an option out there. No, it's just because we are technically capable, and we actually were able to execute in matter and in, in, in a very very sp- fast manner, where a lot of people or a lot of entity can't do it because of either human capital uh, uh, capabilities or or because of uh, you know, financial capabilities uh, and all of the work uh, that ha- was done since uh, uh, last year, middle mid of last year, have actually put us in a really good position where we can actually, uh, you know, develop very fast. Uh, Hunger Station is one of the few companies that actually gave, uh, let's say, financial rewards to people in the midst of 
uh, the crisis. So every single employee got a bonus and in, in short. <laughs> so it's not because of the crisis, it's because of all of the great work before and we're only we're able to do that because of the strong base we've built. Fantastic. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about as well. Um, I go into just briefly kind of what you guys have done. Um, so not only, I guess, safeguard your riders and your and, and your customers, which you spoke to, your masks, the sanitary, um, the contactless payments, things like that. But that's great to hear that you're doing things, obviously, internally as well to reward your workforce. Um, you have a partnership, is it my understanding of with more than 65% of restaurants in Saudi Arabia. Is that correct? Um, I, can, I can give you the exact number or not a percent. I mean, we have a partnership with, uh, you know, close to um, about 18,000, let's say, uh, brands uh, slash branches. So we have, we have in, the, in the range of, uh, you know, and and I need to check those numbers because in the past two months they have changed a lot. So we we, we have close to the ten thousand brands, so unique names of restaurants or or verticals or or uh, pharmacies or or supermarkets. The number the total number of branches is eighteen thousand across Saudi. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's a great great efforts by everyone in the team from the day of establishment of this company is is the reason. Yeah. Something I do want to touch upon briefly, and you may or may not be able to speak to it, but um, the the big the big uh, commission or delivery fee, if you will, um, everyone talks about. Um, you know, Uber Eats and uh, you know, a bunch of the delivery apps here in the in the UK, they've all kind of been, uh, and also in the US, they've been kind of under the pump about it. Um, in regards to you know what's a fair fair fee, um, you know, is it fifteen percent? Um, New York City even tried to cap them at 10% for some apps. Um, is there something you, have you guys come under, you know, any scrutiny or if you had any flexibility with your commissions or anything like that during the pandemic or has it not been an issue for you guys? It, uh, you know, it's always a topic of, of let's say, uh, discussion or interest to a certain, uh, let's uh, certain segment of of the uh, let's say the sector and it's particular who you know it's the restaurant or the partner side right everybody is is trying to uh, negotiate or get a better deal it's you know it's a business at the end of the day however what is uh, uh, very important to mention here is these are uh, uh, regardless of the percentage the customers that go to a partner through uh, say hunger station or any other pl- platforms there are customers that are, are uh, you know, paid, uh, that the, the actually come with a cost, meaning the cost is bared by the entity, by Hunger Station, for example. We spent millions and millions and millions of, of, of uh, euros, dollars, uh, reals, however you want to put it, every single uh, you know, uh, day or month or even quarter to acquire new customers. Then when those customers come to our platform, we direct them towards, uh, you know, the restaurants uh, and the partners, uh, no matter who they are. That being said, uh, it's the platform customers. It's hunger station customers that we redirect to certain to certain people. So given that cost or given that the customer is actually the platform customer, the partners are coming out uh, winning regardless, right? They're winning if they are covering their costs and they're still making a profit. Uh, we need to, yeah, we need to make a profit too. So 
it's a, it's a business at the end of the day, meaning that if one side is, is making more profit than the other, then there is no point. However, even with the percentages, no matter what they are, even if you go and you know, even if you go as high as thirty percent, sometimes, guess what? The partners still make more profit than a lot of the uh, platforms. That's one. Another thing, it's still a customer that was not going to go to that partner and order, right? They were just going to be, uh, they were not going to be able to reach these partners unless uh, they, uh, the platform directed them that way. That needs to be taken into account. Also. The other thing is the operational aspect of it, right? The delivery. When you deliver for a, uh, a, a restaurant or a, a pharmacy or a store, the cost associated with that delivery, who pays the riders, who pays for all of the uh, related uh, operational costs? It's the platform. So all of, the, all of these costs are taken into account. Uh, I, I think the, the discussion changes a little bit. Uh, however, uh, what I want to say is, we uh, work very closely with our partners in a way where we actually sit down and say, what are your objectives? What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to achieve uh, customer acquisition or are you trying to achieve uh, profitability? What are you trying to achieve? And we have different models that could fit, uh, fit uh, your, your, uh, your basically your goals. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is something that regulation needs to uh, for example come into into uh, you know, play because if that happens it's just going to be uh, it's going to affect the sector it's not about hunger stations it's about the whole sector and we've talked about this differently in public forums and i think uh, we're holding on to uh, to these thoughts when people understand what happens in the background of the delivery then yeah. they will think about it differently absolutely no look i i i agree i just wanted to kind of you know there's been all different kind of models that are floating yeah. around and challenging so it's an interesting time for the whole sector. Um, I, I heard that Delivery Hero, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, were they offering like a personal shopper type experience service in Saudi Arabia at some stage during the pandemic? I heard that that was a, a thing they were doing in order for people that could basically have a delivery person that goes shopping for the customer. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that we started first in the, you know, honestly, we were one of the few companies that started that. If, if we're not, if we're the first one, uh, uh, you know, at least in in, uh, in in Saudi Arabia and the region. And the idea behind it was early in this COVID-19 period, a couple of cities in Saudi, they were under full curfew because the numbers were going really high all of a sudden. So we we provide solutions. That's what we do. We're in the, you know, in the uh, business of providing solutions. So we, what we did, we made a new product, especially for those two cities to begin with. And we, we served them with this personal shopper where you would just pay for the cost of the delivery. And then someone will just pick up the phone and call you and you call them and you just tell them what you need because you're, you're in dire need of getting anything, right? Uh, and we called it uh, Fazra. Fazra means uh, help or assistant in, in, in Arabic. And, uh, and after we proved that and supported those two cities and our, you know, our, you know, basically, uh, uh, the families there and people are there. Uh, we rolled it out to across Saudi Arabia, and it actively works now in 270 locations. Uh, so it's it's it, yeah, it's absolutely important, and we're keeping it. It's not going anywhere. We we want to uh, prepare, you know, for for whatever comes the future brings, and the, uh, and it's also a really good. Uh, some people find it good. Some of the customers like it, and we want to provide anything that customers like. 
Excellent. Well, good. You're all about making people's lives easier. That's what we love. Um, really quickly, um, what is the that what is kind of like the bread and butter of hunger station? Like, has it shifted? Was it like the mom and I guess for lack of a better term, like the mom and pop stores? Um, or was it the big brands or have now big brands come on board more because of the pandemic? Like What's the ratio? Has it changed or is it kind of the same? I, I think it's, uh, the, you know, when it comes to types of stores, I, I think we're in a position where we could say we're one of those few that has everything. But there is a reason behind that. The reason behind that is simply first mover advantage, right? We've been in the market for years. And because of that, we have had it all. There is no uh, focus on a specific cuisine, for example. However, there is focus on quality. And what I mean by quality has to be uh, good quality that we can uh, feel uh, uh, proud and uh, to, to let people actually use. So if it's, uh, if it's uh, you know, uh, you know, sometimes a food truck would be of a high quality versus a brick and mortar store that has bad quality, if you know what I mean. So our focus is on the quality, on the, on the packaging, on things like that. Uh, I don't think that the ratio changed much. What has changed is actually the volume of people subscribing to such platforms because, you know. Which is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good business. Good business. Now, now, I know we're, we're running a little over time, so I've got three or four more questions if it's okay. Sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah. um, really, there's so much to talk about. It's really it's quite a fascinating area. Um, so um, Saudi Arabia is one of the biggest markets for Delivery Hero, back to Delivery Hero, um, and another company. Um, and to my understanding, you know, you guys are responsible for a good chunk of Delivery Hero's revenue. Um, you're one of the biggest brands, obviously, in Saudi. Mm-hmm. There have been some rumours, and correct me if I'm wrong, again, um, that you guys would merge with Ariage. Um, can you comment on this? I can or, comment on that. Actually, uh... Uh, carriage was already uh, for you know for a couple of months now has already uh, been merged with uh, another company called Talabat. So yeah, so Talabat is also another a delivery here company. So both Talabat and Carriage are owned are owned hundred percent by uh, Delivery Hero, and. Uh, when uh, I mean, I left Carriage back in uh, June last year or July last year. Three months after, Carriage was merged with Talabat. So it's it's a, it's a delivery hero kind of management decision to merge them to make uh, certain strategic objectives happen faster. On on uh, on hunger station level, we have been uh, actually actively hiring people generally. So when people either left certain jobs, uh, uh, you know, uh, we we always try to attract talent. Um, uh, you know, a good example of this: a big player in the market just shut down recently uh, in this sector, and we we talked to uh, we talked to the people who shut down because of the you know some layoffs happened, and we said, hey, we're here, we're hiring. Uh, and uh, you know it, it's uh, uh, you know it's actually uh, Uber Eats. When Uber Eats shut down in, in Saudi Arabia, we talked to um, basically all of the employees, saying, "Listen, we we believe we have a home for you," because it was a big number of yeah. employees, and I think Uber had a lot of layoffs worldwide. And um, and that's just part of our. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, some people think it's just as you know uh, we're doing it because we want. No, it's 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 
it's it's three things in one. It's like you get good talent in the sector. Second, you're actually supporting people who just lost their jobs all of a sudden. And and, and third, it's uh, it's the right thing to do. It really is. Um, and uh, we really feel about it that way. It's not uh, it's, there's nothing sneaky about it. And we did it publicly. It's not yeah. It's business sense. Yeah, exactly. Business sense. exactly. Three more, three more really quick questions. Um, What's the magic ingredient that sets Hunger Station apart from its competitors? And you can just tell us in one sentence if you want, or you can tell us. <laughs> um, what's the? I guess what's the one magic ingredient that you have? To I'll have to. I'll have to take uh, honestly one of, uh, you know, one of our values uh, and just say that because it's absolutely true, and that's what sets us apart. We literally always aim higher. It's not. It's not. It's not a an optional thing. It's not something that we take lightly. Whatever we think, we always want more, and uh, in a positive way, right? And in, in a very healthy way. And that sets us yeah. apart because you could accept, you could accept, uh, you know, one. But it, you know, if you can get two, can't you? Why won't you push for two? And then if you can't get three, why won't you push for three? And I'm talking on a business level. So we always aim higher. That's what sets us apart, to be honest. Well, you do describe yourself, um, and forgive me, I stalked your Twitter as well, as you're a growth, hashtag growth pusher. I particularly <laughs> like that. I love a hashtag baby angel um, investor, which I think you've probably graduated from a baby angel now. But um, I think I found it really interesting. So um, really quickly, you have a YouTube channel, which you've kind of, have you just launched this? Absolutely, video? absolutely. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to utilize my network to, uh, to get some fun discussions and insight out there to different people. And uh, uh, so I started this, uh, you know, the panel with Omar Rehman and it's, uh, it's a, you know, fun, short challenge, uh, you know, discussions with people that a lot of people cannot get access to. And, and uh, I, have, I have a big list. I just am trying to find the time to actually get to uh, do a lot of talks with, the, with the, you know, a lot of people. Uh, it's, 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 again, it's uh, topic agnostic. Uh, I just, it's industry leaders who can actually give quick insight where people could, uh, uh, you know, get educated in a very short period of time and, uh, and they can utilize it for, you know, whatever they want to utilize it for. So I started, I started that and it's going to continue. And uh, my ambition is to have at least a couple of uh, episodes uh, a month. Uh, if I have time, I would do it more, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. Well, we might have to um, parlay some of the episodes for you across our network. So we'll, We'll keep you posted because I saw them and I think they're great. It's called, for those listening, it's called The Panel with Omar Rebhan. Um, you can find out how to find it on our Parlay Me Instagram uh, where we will parlay this um, podcast for you guys. And last but not least, Omar, you're a leader in this sector and we love to get insights, obviously, from business leaders like yourself. Really quickly, um, where do you see the delivery food app business in, let's say, five, ten years? Well, well there's a big difference between five and ten is, years. So let's just say is. five. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and ten years, I'm hoping for full automation at this point because we've been playing with that idea for a long time now. So in ten years, I think we should see more, uh, uh, let's say, hard technology into play. Uh, or physical, you know, kind of hardware style technology. And that's at least what I'm hoping for because we've, we did it, 
we did, you know, we automated some systems uh, 11 or 12 years ago in college. So I'm not sure what's holding back the, <laughs> the industry, but in, in uh, mainly what we're going to see more of is uh, the uh, concept of cloud kitchens uh, and cloud uh, or central uh, kitchens. And these are uh, kitchens or of restaurants or brands that only dedicated for the food delivery aspect. So it's not for walkings, it's just a kitchen that cooks meals for a certain brand that is just dedicated for delivery. Uh, these come with a, a great advantage of, uh, you know, you cut down a lot on the, uh, let's say the setup cost. Potentially you could also cut down a lot of the operational cost uh, versus the revenue if you cook more than one brand in one location, right? So we're going to see more of that. It's already been, it's already in place. It's already being done by a couple of companies worldwide. Yeah. And uh, so that's one thing. Another thing is, I do believe we're going to see uh, more of uh, the uh, on the delivery side. We're going to see more of the uh, fast model and uh, what is you know being labeled by actually delivery hero, what is called quick commerce. So quick commerce is basically delivery like you've never seen it before where everything that you can think about you will get it and under an hour and i really mean everything right now when you buy something from amazon for example in certain countries you get same day delivery same day is so last two years you know there's so last year so now it's like i want it now i want the phone an iphone X, R, Z, something, whatever. <laughs> I want it to be in my office in 40 minutes. You know what I mean? So quick commerce is going to emerge. Uh, Delivery Hero is a pioneer in it. Uh, Hunger Station is one of those companies. Something interesting is about 50% of all of our orders in the past two months is under 30 minutes. And that's not only food. And 25% of it is uh, we're in 20 minutes uh, delivery time. So we, that's our aim. We're going to that direction as a company. And that's uh, also the Delivery Hero group is doing that. And uh, the world will have to catch up. Absolutely. It sounds like it. Oh, wow. Well, it's, it's a very fascinating industry to be in. And look, I'm just glad that the world is coming back to what we call a new normal and things are going up again. Yeah, even if it is good for some businesses when it's not, you know, the Amazons and, you know, whatnot. But like, like I said, look, it's all, um, you know, it's all relative. And I think it's all coming back to, yeah, definitely where we need to be in the world. And that is, uh, you know, social aspect and meeting is obviously a whole different thing. You and I, we met back in, um, oh, what was the year? Yeah. Two years ago yeah. now, actually. Yeah, I think it was about three and, years um, now, huh? Two years and, um, you know, the whole event space has completely changed. You know, I think it's great. I think there's a lot of changes that happened and we can now adapt to the technology a lot faster, a lot easier. And, um, you know, things will go back to normal. But I think that adoption rates really picked up and it's really exciting for businesses like yourself and also us. Um, so how would people get in contact with you, Omar? It's the best way if they're listening to this. Do they hit you up on LinkedIn? Should they send you an email? Should they tweet you? Um, what's best for I'm, you? I'm available, uh, uh, you know, through LinkedIn uh, and uh, at uh, O-Rebhan, uh, uh, you know, at LinkedIn. Also at Twitter with the same handle, O-Rebhan. 
and uh, you know uh, they can they can reach out to, to me at any time. Uh, uh, you know I have to warn everybody. I have an overwhelming number of messages on LinkedIn, unfortunately, <laughs> and I'm trying. To, it's fortunate and unfortunate. It's fortunate that I get a lot of people are interested in communicating with me at the same time. It's unfortunate that I cannot keep up with it, but I promise that I will get that sorted uh, very soon. So anybody can reach uh, reach me through LinkedIn or Twitter. Yeah. Or your YouTube channel. Well, my YouTube channel, um, yeah. You never know. Maybe I'll become famous tomorrow. You never know. Right, <laughs> people. Right, sign up. Well, it's super exciting. I'm so good to catch. So good to catch up with you and learn everything that you're doing, Lovely. Omar. Um, I really love following your journey, and we love parlaying it. So, look, thank you for your time, and I'm sure this won't be the last time we catch up. I'm sure there'll be some other venture and some other announcement you have to share with us, hopefully in the not too far distant future. I'm sure of that, and thank you very much. It's always a pleasure, and hopefully we'll meet soon. Absolutely, yes, indeed. Thank you, Omar. Thank, thank you. you.